This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. And then so for all of you who don't actually qualify for a conference because you're too old, but you're young at heart. Is anybody out there like that? You're too old for the conference, but you're young at heart. Yes, that's all the rest of us. That the team is going to be staying over here next Sunday. So they're going to be leading us in worship. And one of the pastors coming in, uh, Jordan Smucker, he was here last year. He is going to be preaching um, next Sunday, both services. So you don't want to miss next Sunday. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be a fantastic Sunday. So we're going to get a taste of conference on uh, Sunday morning next week. All right, let's finish up our series this morning. Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we have called this series up. And if you've missed any of the messages, they are available online on our website, on our podcast, and also through our church app. You can hear any of those messages. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So as we've been talking about every week, that we positionally in Christ, we are seated in heavenly places. That God wants us to live with this heavenly perspective. That we are seated at the right hand of God. That we are in Christ. That Christ is in us. And when we live life from this upward perspective, it makes all of the difference to us. Psalm 113 verse 4 says, the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. So we see this revelation here in these few verses. It shows us and tells us that God actively is lifting us up. He's not wanting us to remain in an ash heap, in a garbage pile, in a a future that he doesn't want for us. What does he do? He actually lifts us up. Living from this heavenly perspective, God is actively lifting us up. And then the last thing here in Philippians chapter 3. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How is God calling us? God is calling us up. We're supposed to live from this heavenly perspective. God is lifting us up. And then God is calling us up. He is not pushing us down. He is not hurting us. He's not damaging us. We were just singing there about God is a good God. It's such an important revelation to have from the New Testament, from understanding who Jesus is, that God is a good God. So what is he doing? He's calling us up, living from in this high place. He's lifting us up, and then he's calling us up. So we looked at, in the first week, we talked about this idea that God is leading us with dreams and visions. He is putting goals in our hearts and our minds so that we can move towards these dreams and visions, these things from God's will that he shows us about our future. And then the second week, we talked about some practical things, how to move 
towards those dreams and visions that we should be diligent and we shouldn't be compromising our character. And then last week we talked about this idea that ultimately we're going to be living somewhere on this continuum at some point, at all points in our lives, receiving a dream and a vision and then walking towards the dream and vision. And on that journey, we don't want to be sad. God doesn't want us to be sad. God doesn't want us to live sad and down, depressed lives. He wants us to live up. And we saw that that is all found in God, that we're not going to find that in circumstances that our hope and our joy is going to be found in God. So let's continue on this morning. And we'll see here as we, one of the verses that we read last week, we can see where we are going today. John chapter 15, verse 11, says this, Jesus is speaking, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. So we talked about that last week. God wants his joy to be in us. Did you read that along with me? Jesus said this, that God's joy would be in us, wouldn't be uh, unattainable, that we could actually live joyful lives regardless of the circumstances, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, This is what we're going to be talking about today. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So God wants us to have joy. And then right on the heels of that statement, Jesus says to us that we would love one another. So Once again, back on this continuum, from this place where I receive this dream and this vision, this upward call that God has for my life. That God wants us to be joyful. But how many of you know that on the journey to the dream and the vision, there's going to be a lot of people on that road. There's going to be some people that we like. There's going to be some people we don't like. There's going to be some people that will help us, some people that try to hinder us. But what God is telling us that he wants his joy to be in us. And then he says right after that, I want you to love one another. See, we can't get so self-absorbed moving to the dream and the vision that on the way to the dream and the vision that we just disregard everybody. That we don't have time for anybody. You know, I, I can't talk to you. I'm on my way to my goal. I can't, I can't have a moment with you because I'm on the road here. That on the journey, God actually wants us to love one another. And the reality is this. We know, and this is true, that true joyful experiences of life come when we're with other people. They don't actually come from things. And we all know that this is true. Because if you think about it this way, you know, on Christmas morning, if it was just you and you were just opening your gifts... It wouldn't be that exciting, would it? You'd be saying there, you open a gift, like, yes! Next gift. What makes that joyful? There's other people there. Life's greatest experiences are with other people. That when we are walking through life, we're going to have shared experiences with people. We're going to have joyful experiences. We're going to have tough times. We're going to have difficulties. But along that road, God actually wants us to actively love one another. Not just be on the race to the dream and the vision and the goal that we actually miss out on helping people, loving people, caring for people, 
being compassionate to other people. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says this, God placed all things under Christ's rule. He appointed him to be ruler over everything for the church. The church is Christ's body. It is filled by Christ. He fills everything in every way. What does it say? The church is Christ's body. The church is Christ's body. Now, the church is not this building. This is just the building that we meet in and that God has blessed us with. It's just a tool. This is just a building. It's just drywall and different materials and we get to meet inside and we're blessed to be able to meet inside in Canada. Maybe today it would be actually okay to meet outside because it's nice and warm. But in Canada, in January, how many know we're blessed to be inside? But this building is not the church. You are the church. The church is people. And what does it say about the church? The church is Christ's body. You are Christ's body on the earth today. After Jesus was resurrected, he ascended to be with the Father. Jesus physically, as a person, as an individual, is no longer here on the earth. But he is here in you. The church is Christ's body. And then what does it say? It is filled by Christ. You're filled by Christ. He fills everything in every way. So as the church, we're supposed to be doing Jesus things. As a group and then as individuals. And specifically today, we're focusing on this idea of, I'm on this journey to my dream and my vision. But I'm, as I'm moving towards this dream and the vision, this goal, that I am actually Christ's body here on the earth today. And he has filled me. And I am the church. I am the hands and feet of Jesus. And we're presented with opportunities every day to do the words that Jesus told us in John 15, that we would just love one another, that we would be laying down our lives for other people, that true love is sacrificial. Love is not all about me getting what I want when I want it, that love, living a life of love is about sacrificing myself for other people, sacrificing my time and my resources and my energy and my emotions for other people. And this is what God wants us to do as his followers, as the church, as his body. So we're going to talk about some ways that we can love people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Listen to this. It says, so cheer each other up. Up. That's a good name for a series at church, isn't it? Cheer each other up. Here's a super practical, amazing way for you to love somebody. What are we supposed to do? Cheer each other up. We're not supposed to push each other down. Down is not a God direction. What is a God direction? Up. So as his representatives, as the church, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Cheer each other up. Lift somebody up. As I'm walking to my goal and my dream and my vision, I'm going to experience a lot of people. And what is God going to want me to do? He's going to want me to cheer somebody up, to lift somebody up. 
That means that I should have some joy. That's why we talked about joy before we talked about this. That I need to have some joy because if I don't have any joy, I can't actually be lifting somebody else up. But God actually wants me to have joy. There was a whole progression in this series. And we're finishing up here for a reason. So when I have joy, I can actually help somebody else be joyful. I can be cheerful and cheer somebody else up. I can share my cheer with somebody else. I can share the joy that I have in my heart with somebody else, with my coworkers, with my family, with the people in my neighborhood. As I follow Jesus, as I move towards the dream and the vision, what should I be doing? I should be cheering people up with hope that you have. Man, we, this is what we're talking about. We have a hope for our future. God has given us a dream and a vision. I have a hope for this life and the life that is to come. There's nothing else. There's this life and the life that is to come. And we have hope now and in eternity. So we should be cheerful. No matter what happens in our lives, God is still on the throne. No matter what happens in the world, we're still going to spend eternity with Jesus. So I can be hopeful. So what am I sharing with other people when they're down, when somebody's down and depressed, what's happened to them? Well, they're, they're so focused on their now, and they're so focused on themselves, and they're so focused on their shortcomings that they're no longer looking up. They're not expecting about their future, but you are. You have hope in Christ so we can share it. We could be joyful and we could cheer other people up. That's one simple, practical way. When you sense that somebody's down, the idea is, well, I'm not going to avoid them. They're down today. No, that's where the church steps in. When somebody's down, I can lift somebody up when they're down because I am seated in heavenly places. God has raised me up. He is calling me up. I have hope in Christ. I can share this joy with somebody else. And if someone doesn't have hope, they can have some of mine. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You can make it. God is with you. Simple statements, simple encouragements. Be there for somebody. Be available for people. And then it says this. Build each other up. In fact, that is what you are doing. Encourage people. Encourage. In other words, give them some of your courage. Build them up. Strengthen them. When somebody's down, they're focusing on the negative. Their optimism is gone. Find some positivity. Speak some positivity into someone else's life. Now, before we move on, this is for you to do for somebody else. This is not for you to wonder why people aren't doing this for you. Yeah, I'm glad you're preaching about this today, Pastor Brent, because my wife needs to do this for me. Wrong. You need to do this for your wife. No, no, no. No, this is all about you giving love. This is not about you measuring how much love people are giving you. 
You've missed the point. If you're, if you're listening to this sermon for someone else, forget it. You can only listen for yourself. I'm like, I'm glad they're here today because they need to hear this. No, this is for us. This is for us to love, not for us to measure how much we're getting love. That's not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility to measure how much my spouse loves me. It's my responsibility to love my spouse. Because if I'm measuring how much my spouse has loved me, she's never going to measure up. But I'm not, God actually hasn't called me to measure how much Nicole loves me. He did call me to love her though. He didn't call me to be her dad. I'm not her dad. I'm her husband. So this is for you today to love other people. On your journey to your goal and your dream and vision that you're supposed to be encouraging people. Not worried about what other people are doing. A couple years ago, I don't actually know how this happened, but somebody had called in to, to Huntley Street and I don't know, they thought, I guess we were in the region of this guy's, and so they recommended for this guy to call at the church. He needed some sort of counseling. So this guy called, and I, and I, wasn't, I wasn't even pastor at the time, and somehow I got the call. It was a big mistake. And so this guy calls, and he's like, you know, I'm really sad, and I'm really down, and I'm really depressed, and I just feel like I need a wife. You know, because he's lonely. He's like, you know what I need? I need a wife who's really going to encourage me and build me up. And when I'm sad and depressed, she's going to pray for me. And I was silent for a second. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And he was silent on the other end. And he's like, no, no, I, I just need a wife who's going to pray for me and encourage me and do this for me. And then I asked the same question. I said, well, what are you going to do? So you just need other people to do for you. You just need this and you need that and you need, you need, you need. No, God is calling us to love. The conversation wasn't much longer after that. He wasn't interested in my advice. He just wanted me to pray for a woman who's just going to like do all of these things. And I actually don't, anyway, I wasn't, who was I going to send to this man? This wasn't a good idea. You're a mess, buddy. I'm not sending any woman your direction. What, what, is, what are we reading these things? We're reading these things for ourselves. So we can do these things. That we can build people up. That we can encourage people. Mark chapter 10. See, deep down in this series, what this series is about is living a great life. Living a great life on this journey, moving to these dreams and visions that God has given to. A God-authored life is a great life. It's a beautiful life. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 says, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, talking about his disciples, he says, You know those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, talking to his disciples and then therefore talking to us. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. How do we live a great life? What is greatness in the scripture here? 
What is Jesus saying is greatness? He says, you know, there's going to be, in the world, there's going to be people that are going to be in charge. And they're going to be lording over it. They're going to be exercising authority. And they're going to think this is a great life. If I could just be in charge of something. If I could just tell people what to do, that is a great life. Then I'm at the top. What did Jesus say? It's not going to be so among you. That's, that's not how we, as Jesus followers, are going to define a great life. What is a great life according to Jesus, who we follow? That we are going to be servants of all. That we are actually going to place ourselves other, under other people so as to serve them. That is a great life. The upward life in God as it relates to other people and being in good relationships is to place ourselves under them so that we can serve up. And in a sense, what he's saying is that that's how we need to think of everybody, that I'm going to serve everybody. That everybody I come in contact is a candidate for my love. Now, obviously, we're going to love different people different ways, and it's going to manifest different ways. I'm not going to get into all of that this morning, but as I've said to you, the way you love your kids is different than you, how you love your spouse. Your, your, your children need discipline and correction and instruction. The way you love your wife is not discipline and instruction. This, it's a different animal. Are you all with me with that this morning? But everybody in our lives that we would experience is a candidate for my love, my coworkers. People that work for me. In essence, that people that are under me in the org chart, God is saying that I should be a servant of all. Everybody that I, I come in contact with, there's got to be a way that I can figure out that I can serve somebody, that I can encourage somebody, that I can give somebody hope, that I can love somebody on this journey to the goal and the dream that God has given me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous love chapter, verse 5. It's the end part of it. And the whole subject is love. And it says, it keeps no record of being wronged. Love keeps no record of being wronged. And once again, we want our lives to go forward. God is calling us forward. And if we've got it backwards, what are we doing? We're keeping a record of all of the bad stuff that's happened to me. And we're, which way are we looking? We're facing backwards. God wants us to live forward. He wants us to love forward. And I can't stare at my past and all of the bad things that have happened to me and all of the, the bad things that people have done to me and because I've been hurt by people, because all of us have been hurt by people. But just because we've been hurt by people doesn't mean that we get to opt out of the love walk. Just because my past has a this and a that and they did this and they said this and we used to be friends and we used to be married and we used to be this. God doesn't want us to face this direction. Love faces this direction. And see, if I'm facing this direction and sad and hurt about all of the stuff that's happened in my past, I actually won't love the people that are here with me today. Love doesn't do that. Love faces this direction and finds any opportunity to serve and love the people that come across my path. I'm not going to face backwards. I'm going to face forwards. 
Romans 12, verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So it's a competition. And it's not a competition that I'm putting myself above you or trying to be better than you. I'm just, what's the competition? We're trying to love each other more and more. Encourage each other. Strengthen each other more and more. Once again, this is something for all of us to do. Not measure how much it's getting done to us. That's a frustrating place to be in. Don't stay there. I know from experience. It's for us to do. God has filled us with love. He's filled us with his spirit. Let us outdo one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So we can contribute to the needs of others. We can contribute to somebody's physical needs, emotional needs. And then just like we need encouragement on the way to the dreams and visions God has for us, that's what you can do for somebody else. Isn't it nice? Don't you enjoy it? When somebody encourages your dream, you share your dream and you're like, that's amazing. That's so exciting. Go for it. I'm going to be praying for you. Hey, if I can help in any way, doesn't that lift you up? Doesn't that build you up? That's what we should do for other people. People shouldn't be afraid to be around us. That we're going to throw a wet blanket on their lives and their dreams and their visions. We're raining on everybody's parade about their dreams and their visions. No, we need to encourage people. So we can contribute to their physical needs, their emotional needs. We kind of talked about that already. And then be an encourager of other people's dreams and visions. Galatians chapter 2. Let's turn over there. Is anybody excited? about serving other people. (laughs) You know, we need... I I was talking to one of my um, pastor friends a little while ago, and he said the simplest statement, and I just think it's so true. For those of us that say we follow Jesus, you know what? We just really need to believe what Jesus says. And it's so simple, but it's so profound. It's so true. See, we think a lot of times because we're so conditioned by our culture that a great life is going to be buying this and getting this and doing this and looking like this. But Jesus said, for us to live a great life, for you to be great, what are you going to do? Uh, You're going to be the servant of all. I mean, we just really have to believe that. We really have to believe what Jesus said and then live in accordance with that. And we will experience the life that he wants us to live, the abundant life. This is part of the abundant life, that I make myself a servant of all. That's how God wants us to live. We really just need to believe it. Galatians chapter 2, sorry, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's heavy loads. If you do, you will give the law of Christ its full meaning. What is the law of Christ? What is our one new covenant, New Testament law? Love God, love people. 
they had all of these laws in the Old Testament and ended up ballooning to over 600 laws. And Jesus told, here's how we satisfy all of those laws. We won't break any laws if we love people. See, it's, it's, it's forward motion. Love is about forward motion. It's not about, oh, I won't do this and I won't do this and I won't do that. And I won't do this and I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to do this. No, I'm going forward. And then because I'm loving people, I'm actually not going to break any of God's laws. Why? Because I am loving people. It's the law that God has for us to live today. See, in the law, once again, we think about a law as something that I, I, I don't want to go beyond the law. I, I, here's something you can't do, but the law of Christ is something to do. Do you see how it's a different way to live? The law of Christ is something to do, not something not to do. And we'll avoid, well, because we're loving people and we care about people, we're going to avoid all that other stuff that messes up our lives and messes up their lives. Why? Because we are giving love. Let's read it again. Carry each other's heavy loads. If you do, you will give the law of Christ its full meaning. Carrying each other's loads. My wife and I moved a little while ago. And how many know when you move, there's a lot to move. That's why they call it moving. Are you glad you came to church for that nugget this morning? But when there's heavy things and you have to move them, what do we do? We call someone else. Why? Because it's easier if someone else carries it with us. And this is what life is like. We're moving in this direction. We're going towards our dreams and our visions. And once again this morning, yeah, I need, I need somebody to carry the load with me. No, look for someone to carry their load. How, the scripture says, how, how do we uh, get friends? We show ourselves friendly. That's how we get friends. We don't get friends by calling them and say to them, you're not a good friend. That's not a way to get friends. How do we get friends and how should we treat our friends? We should carry each other's heavy loads. If we see somebody, brother and sister, somebody in our neighborhood going through a hard time, once again, that's not... A time for us to be like, oh, I'm going to avoid that person today. Let's get around them really quick because they look really sad. No, we're going to go to that person. We're the church. We are the church. Christ has filled us all in all. He wants us to do his stuff. carry each other's heavy loads. And then we give the law of Christ its full meaning. Last verses, last story. Let's look at one more story here in the ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. 
Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So who did Jesus say? Follow me and be my disciple? Uh, Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, we don't like tax people, but they really didn't like tax people. And this is, this is somebody who was basically working for the, the occupying government that Roman, the Roman world had occupied the Jewish territory. And what they did is they hired Jewish people to take taxes from each other and give it to the Roman Empire. And so people who were tax collectors were hated. Jesus told this guy that was hated, come and follow me and be my disciple. Who is a candidate to follow Jesus? People. All people. All the people that you know. All the people that you like. All the people that you don't like. All the the people that share your political persuasion. And all the people that don't, heaven forbid. God wants all of the people to follow him. Jesus said to this guy, who everybody would say, man, this guy is far from God. He's going against his own people. Jesus says, follow me and be my disciples. So Levi got up and followed him. Verse 15, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Who is there with Jesus? Come on now. Who is there? The tax collectors and all of the other people with bad reputations. And Jesus is there with them. Do you know anybody that has a bad reputation, a disreputable sinner? Jesus is there with him. Now, Jesus is not doing the things that the disreputable sinners are doing. The scripture says Jesus is without sin. But Jesus is where the people are. The good people and the bad people and everywhere in between. There was no distinction. See, and we're on this journey dreams and visions that God has given us. And on the May, we're going to be with our brothers and sisters and we're going to be encouraging each other. But on the way to our journey, there's going to be some disreputable sinners. You know, God wants us to love them too. God doesn't want us to be like them, but he does want us to love them too. Why? Because they're down in their sin. And you know what that's like, don't you? Do you know what that's like? Have you ever been down in your sin? You've ever messed up? You've made a mistake? What does it feel like? It's, you're down. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. You've messed up. You've done wrong. You've done this and it didn't work out. 
and you were sitting down in your sin, what did God do to you in that moment? He reached out his hand of forgiveness. And the scripture says that he pulls us out of our pits. So as the church, what are we supposed to do? I'm walking this journey like, no, I'm too good for you. No, I'm too good for you. No, I'm t- no, there's nobody that you're too good for. We're actually supposed to be a slave, a servant of all. That's the great life. The great life is not knowing who you should avoid and who you're more educated than and that your social standing is higher than this person. No, that's not a great life. A great life is the Jesus life. Uh, who's there with the disreputable sinners. And then it says here, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Who is this? This is the Pharisees. So if we find any of this attitude creeping into us that I'm on the journey, but I don't have time for these people, whoever these people are in your mind, Jesus has time for all people. All people. We don't want to be like the Pharisees. We don't want to be like, man, those people are scum. I don't have any time. No, it's like people that are struggling in life, they actually need somebody to love them, to care about them, not walk past them and think, oh, I'm better than you. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. For all of us who've humbled ourselves and realized we need a Savior. See, the humble can help the humbled. Has life ever, ever humbled you? I mean, life just brought you down. Something didn't go right. Something terrible happened to you and you just felt humbled by life. Pushed down. Hurt. Damaged. Do you know who can help somebody that's been humbled by life? Is somebody who has humbled themselves to a savior. Someone who has given their life to the one who gives life and gives joy and gives salvation. And that's you and me. That we've humbled ourselves and God has given us so much. He has blessed us with so much. He has given us his own spirit. And because we have been recipients of that love, recipients of that grace, recipients of forgiveness, recipients of his power, that God empowers us to help 
and love others. God wants us to be agents of his love. And by so doing, we will live a great life. Let's just pray this morning. Father God, we we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for your love that you have placed on the inside of us. That you have filled us with your love because you filled us with your spirit. And so, God, we pray today as we are moving towards the dreams and the visions that you have given us in our lives. God, we pray that you help us to slow down and to be compassionate and to make ourselves a servant of all. Help us to see people, Lord, the way you see them. Not as the Pharisees said scum, not as somebody who's low or beneath us. Help us to see people the way you see them, that you are lifting people up, that you are calling people to yourself. We just thank you for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.